0: As we uh, begin this morning, and I give you a moment, if you'd like to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. It's going to be our, our focal text this morning. I want to um, also let you know what's coming in the next few weeks. I'm going to start next week uh, a sermon series called uh, Take It to the Bank. And I'm, I hope you'll be here to be a part of that. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, but, but we're going to talk about some of the, um, the foundational... Truths that we accept in Christ of, of our faith? What are some of the foundational uh, truths that we hold on to that we can, we can count on, if you will, or take it to the bank? I would say that we could bet on, but we don't do that as United Methodists. So we'll call it that we... wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Huh? I know some of you. I see you in line at the convenience store. I know what you're buying. Um... <laughs> So anyway, hope uh, looking forward to that and, and coming up next week, I wanted to kind of give you a little um, insight into to what's coming But for this morning. We look at these words of the prophet Isaiah to the people, and they're, they're words spoken uh, to people that, that are struggling and scared and uncertain about their future, and, and these are uh, words of hope and promise, and, and the prophets don't... They always speak words of promise, but they're not always words of hope. Sometimes their message, and even Isaiah's message, is is very challenging. Sometimes Isaiah's message is very um, convicting, uh, necessarily, for the people. But in the midst of all of that, these are some wonderful promises. And we're going to dig a little deeper into this morning. Here now, Isaiah 43, beginning at verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says, He who has created you, Jacob, He has formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory who I formed and made. Friends, sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, let us today in these moments hear words of hope and promise of your Holy Spirit, of your word, your gift to us, and, and of these words that are spoken now, always to your glory. We pray in Christ our Lord. Amen. I have um, never been uh, to Niagara Falls. No, that's a strange way to start, but I have never been. Many of you have. How many of you have been to Niagara Falls? Okay, most of you. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I'll put it on my list now. Thank you. I noticed that um, on a total side note, as I was looking a while ago, I don't know why, I was looking at airfare, um, to various places, and you can actually fly up to whatever's close to Niagara Falls. I don't know what the nearest airport is, but I remember looking. Which one? Buffalo? Is it Buffalo? Okay. You can actually fly very cheap in January, February, and March. I have no idea why that might be. <laughs> but it was, I think it was last year I was looking for a little getaway for Tony and I. I was like, we've never been to Niagara Falls, and that was really affordable. I thought, no, that's not when I'm going. <laughs> so um, anyway, that n- side note. But I've never been there, but many of you, most of you have. And so, so I take this with an assumption, but knowing that, that it's the, the Canadian side and the, the American side, and you can go back and forth depending on if you have your papers in order, I'm, I'm assuming there's a couple ways, standard ways, to get across. I'm assuming somewhere around there, there's a bridge. Would I be right in making that assumption, there's a bridge? Yeah, duh. OK. Or I know they run the ferries and, and boats and stuff, so I imagine you can get across that way. Couple ways, standard ways, that we cross rivers. Uh, Last summer, last June to be exact, there was a very strange crossing of Niagara, very out of the ordinary crossing of Niagara. You remember what it was? (laughs) The tightrope. Nick Walenda, who actually is the family's close, I think, in Sarasota. Uh, Nick Walenda crossed Niagara Falls on a tightrope, and I was came across that in in some research, and so I was reading about that, and and there are videos, there are tons of videos online, and it said that he crossed on a uh, wire, you know, it's not a rope, but on a wire that was two-inch diameter, and I was trying to figure out exactly what that would look like if you were kind of staring at it. So I went and got rope, and I put it together at about two inches, okay? It's about two inches right there. And I think probably, to be fair, you'd hold it more like that as far as the width. I thought, that is absurd. Now, I watched the video on it, and, and I noticed, and I got some close-ups, because the videos are all online, because I didn't watch it live. And I was looking at that wire, when they go, I was like, wait a minute, that wire is bigger than that. I, I saw it, and I think that wire was actually more, more closer to this kind of a width. Now, this is impressive, that's no big deal, I mean, crossing <laughs> on that, that's... But... But I was thinking about that image. And, and, but one of the things that was fascinating about some of the image, some of the videos I saw, and I, as you may have watched it live. If not, you can go online and see it. But they had some shots of one end of the line to the other, almost like if you were looking through Nick Willenda's eyes at the beginning. And it is overwhelming To imagine what that must be like to to face a wire, knowing that you're committed to getting to the other side, you're on safe ground, your desire is to get to safe ground, but the way that you choose to do it is to walk this tightrope over Niagara Falls and and it's not even I mean uh, you think okay at least it would be flat but it's not I mean it went like this it, it's like I said it's it's not um, not even in the realm of, of something that I can uh, completely comprehend uh, let alone imagine doing because there's just no way on God's green earth um, <laughs> that it would would happen um, I'm not built for that kind of agility anyway but the image really struck me. I, certainly, I watched it, and it was, it was quite impressive, incredibly impressive. But in our own way, we, we face that. You know, the Scriptures tell us this morning, in fact, in, in one of the, the very early verses of Isaiah 43, uh, it says that you will pass through the waters... And that you will pass through the rivers. Now, Nicolander didn't pass through the river; he passed over it. But the journey was no less treacherous. And if you watched it, the mist and the wind—I mean, he might as well have been been passing through it. I feel like I'm uh, dancing up here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but but he, but he—but it was—it was just as treacherous all the same. And and the image that I was just drawn with is the fact that none of us will walk the tightrope. I don't think. Has anybody ever walked a tightrope? Anybody do that? Okay, I don't want to make an assumption. Who? You? Three of you? Up high? No. Low. Okay. Well that's still impressive. I'm I'm not I'm not discounting that. I'm done. Okay, so let me rephrase that. None of us will walk a tightrope at death defined heights. Is that fair? Okay. But but I think we all can identify at some level with The emotion or the experience or the reality that at some point in our life, at many points in our lives, we're going to have the experience of being in a place where our journey puts us on the proverbial tightrope, where we are walking the fine line, we've been in a place of safety, we are going to a place that that we hope to reach, a, a place of of um, health, a place of, of wholeness in our relationships, a place of accomplishment, a, a place of completion, whatever that is, and it varies. We, we have a destination, we have a hope, we have a dream of where we want to be, but the process of getting there is perilous. The process of getting there feels like we are walking the, the tightrope where a gust of wind, a little mist, a misstep, and we're going right over the edge. A place where I think if we're honest, we wonder how we are ever going to make it to the other side. And sometimes in the face of those journeys, they're not always disaster or or horrible situations. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're our health or the health of someone we love. Sometimes it's breakdowns in our, our relationships in, in any number of ways or, or other kinds of crisis situations. Sometimes it's things that we achieve, we want to achieve. It's, it's academic achievement. It's, it's professional in your job or the responsibilities. It's just, the, the point is just those moments when it feels like it's just too much. There's no way we're going to make it. And some Some choose to not even attempt the journey. Sometimes, if we're honest, we may have been in situations where it seemed too much and we didn't even try. And that makes sense. I understand that. But I think when we quit, when we give up, when we don't achieve, I think we sell ourselves short and we sell short the God who is at work within us. I can remember the, the first time that my brother cajoled me, harassed me, insulted me bad enough, and forced me to train for a triathlon. This was years ago. And um, you know, he's the endurance athlete. And I just said, OK, I'll do this. And, and so we trained. And we, we ran our first race. It was both of our first race in um, Claremont. On a day where it, was, it had stormed the night before and we still had, I can always remember on the bike portion the, of the, I think it was about a 20-mile bike, uh, and lightning cracking around us. That motivates you when you're riding. <laughs> um, but, but we got to the, I, I got to the third leg, which is the run. Now, I'm going to say so. I know it's hard to believe that I am not an, a great distance runner. I know that's shocking to you. <laughs> Running was something that you always did to get in shape for something else. You know, you never ran, I never ran just to run. Some of you are runners, and, and hats off to you. But, but my point is, I can remember starting that, putting the bike in the rack, and starting out for what was going to be a five-mile run, and I can remember thinking, there's no way. There is, I don't have any, I mean, I'm, I'm cooked. I'd swam you know, half a mile, I'd biked 20. I was like, I got nothing left. And I thought, there's no way. And then to make it worse, I may have told you this story. There's, it was like, when I was starting out, you come out of these um, transition areas, where all the bikes are and A transition area happened to be right next to the finish line. So the really good athletes, they were already starting to finish. When you finish a race like that, they call your name, you know, now finishing from, uh, you know, Parish, Florida, you know, Chris Schmidt, and boom, comes in. Well, I'm just starting out, and I hear over the speaker now finishing from Jupiter, Florida, Brian Schmidt. My brother, whom I love, had finished, and I hadn't even started. And then he came over to encourage me as I was getting. That was like a dagger, you know. I was like, "I don't want to see you. I don't like you. I hate you right now. Go away." <laughs> but 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 out I started, and I, I mean I, I'm not. I just, I didn't know how I was going to make it. It just seemed too much. And I just started. And I just went. And it wasn't fast and it wasn't pretty. That wasn't even meant to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is, if I had quit, I would have never experienced the exhilaration that came When, however many minutes later, I heard my name called, and I came across, and I finished. And that's all that mattered. I finished. I got to the end. And and many of you know, there are times in your lives when you have faced that, and you've gotten through it. You've gotten to the end in far more serious and and meaningful circumstances than that. The race, the tightrope, whatever image that we choose to use. The reality is we find those places in our lives. We will experience it. It's an interesting thing that the Scripture says right here, as I read just a moment ago. It doesn't say if you pass through the waters. It says when you pass through the waters. There, there's, I would like an if in there, but there's not. It says when you pass through the, It says when you pass through the rivers. When you walk through the fire. Three images, when, when, and when. So if we are going to own that to start, that it's not an if, it's a when, and we're not going to make this a depressing concept, because I tell you, these were words of courage and hope. So this isn't meant to depress us, because the Scriptures teach us some things that we need to hold on to when we are in those moments. And maybe you're in them right now. Maybe you've been there, and certainly we all will be there. So, what are the, the tips, what are the truths that we need to hold on to? And I boiled them down to three. And there's many, many more. But the first is when you find yourself on your tightrope, walking that line, remember you've been named. Remember you've been named. I want to tell you what I mean. First of all, when we come to Christ, we, we talked about Baptism Sunday. Today's the baptism of Christ. And we, as the church, talk about the waters of baptism. In baptism, in submitting ourselves to to Christ and to inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives and to becoming a believer, we take on a new name, a new identity in Christ. And that's Christian, follower of Christ, disciple. There's a lot of ways we phrase it. But the idea is we recognize that we have been called sons and daughters of God. We have been given a name, and that name is beloved child, follower, believer, sons and daughters. And it reminds us not who we are, but whose we are. And that's important. That's an important place to start because it reminds us of a deeper connection beyond ourselves and it reminds us of the love of god that he has for us so, i mean i want you to hear well you know i was thinking about this we uh we all have names that people know us by you know susan bill chris you know those are the names people know us by but then we, we most of us have other names that we're known by or called by, by those who are closest to us who love us the most. Terms of affection and affinity. You know, they can be kind of darling, honey, um, sweetheart, those, those kind of things. And maybe they're more personal nicknames. Growing up in, in my household, Dad nicknamed all of the, the three boys. We all had our own nicknames that, that he used. I, I was Rony. That was my nickname. Uh, There's a story behind it, and I'll share it for another time. But I was running my brother. My brother, interestingly enough, Brian, the second one, his nickname at first was Barfer. (laughs) If he listens to this sermon, he will kill me for that. He was Barfer, it became Briart, because his name is Brian Arthur. It became Briart because my mother forbid him from calling, forbid my father from calling him Barfer. She just said, you cannot use that nickname. That is not acceptable. So his went from, from Barfer to, to Briart, and my, my little brother became Dibble. And, and there's kind of how that happened. He, they're, they're all natural nicknames. David, when he was little, had a little bit of a, a trouble with his speech development. And he would go around as as an infant. He'd just say, Dibble, Dibble. No, actually it was Dabble. Dabble, Dabble, Dabble. And so his first nickname was Dabble. Then he changed it to Dibble because he started going Dibble, Dibble, Dibble. He's never been right in the head. So (laughs) he had two older brothers who had a lot of responsibility for that. But but my point is there are names that that maybe are, are terms of affection, affinity. We've nicknamed our Ron and Cassie, one's the agitator and one is the instigator. So um, <laughs> I'll let you figure out who's who. <laughs> but but the, the, the point is there are, there are terms of, of affection and affinity names. I want you to hear the terms of affection and affinity God gives us in verse 4. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because... I love you. You know what your, your names are? You're precious. You're honored. You're loved. That's what God says about you and me. We're named, and that means something. You're valued. You're cared for. You matter. So when you walk through those places, that's important to remember. Because sometimes it can feel like we're alone. It can, can feel that way. Whether it's true or not, it can feel like it. And it's important for us to start with the fact that we're named. But the second truth is this. You've been claimed. You've been named. And you have been claimed. I want you to hear again the very first verses. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You are mine. That's the voice of the Lord speaking. You who are honored. You who are precious. You who are loved. Oh yeah, here's another thing. You belong to me. And that is a word of promise and hope. That means something. You know, I I think about the possessive nature. We hear that word mine. I immediately go to a little child. Now, that's mine. You know, little kids that are possessive. We, we do the same thing as adults. We're just a little more tactful about it, usually. But, but this is mine. This belongs to me. This is a possession. I mean, think about your most prized and dear and valuable possessions. Well, that what Jesus, or that's what God says to each of us. You are my prized possessions. You are mine. And this is why that matters so much. Because God desires what's best for us. God desires us to be successful. God desires us to get safely to the other side of our journey. Now, safely to the other side may not always look like we want it to look, okay? Remember that. It may not always be the journey we would like it to be because Remember in John three sixteen the famous words. What does safely look like to the other side? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, there's our promise. There's our safely to the other side someday. But it is important to remember God desires for us the very best. The abundant life that Jesus promised. You know, going back to the image of of Nick Willenda walking that tightrope. If you remember the video, you remember that he had a safety harness ta- attached to him. Uh, he did not want to wear it. He he his comment and his quote in it was, um, "In fact, there's that one of the videos is very interesting. Uh, if you if you listen to to his mic, he was mic'd during it, and he was doing prayers." and praying and, and reciting scriptures as he walked. I'd have been praying too. Um, but they, they interviewed him at one point while he was on the journey. And uh, he talked about that harness and the fact that he had to wear it. And he said it made him feel like a donkey. And that's not the, that's not the word he used, but I'll use that one. Um, because he didn't want to wear it. But, but the point was ABC, I think, who broadcast it, they weren't doing this um, because they wanted to see him fall. In this, they, they wanted, for, for their reasons, him to be successful. They wanted him to make it safely to the other side. And in a far more powerful way, so does God for us. You know, when we're walking that journey and we're remembering, we're named, and we're remembering, we're claimed, remember that the God who has called you precious and loved, the one who has said you're mine, he wants you to make it safely to the other side. You are named, you are claimed, and then here's the third You're blessed. And I know that's hard sometimes to comprehend in the midst of the raging waters, but you are blessed. And here's the blessing. He speaks it twice in the text. When you pass through the waters, very, very simply, I will be with you. Later on in verse 7, he repeats it again. The Lord says, I will be with you. You don't walk it alone. The one who has named you, the one who has claimed you, is the God who is with you. And that is, is our promise. In our journeys and in our moments, you do not walk alone. And, and that means that God is with you in spirit, and that means God is with you very often in the presence of brothers and sisters in the faith who are there and who support and love each other. That's what we're called to do as the church. And that's the presence of God also. So you... Don't walk it alone. So here's what I want you to remember. This promise from Isaiah 43 spoken to a people that are scared about the realities of their lives, are scared about the fine line they feel like they're walking and what is going on all around them. We will and do experience that as well. In whatever ways you have, you are, or you will experience that tightrope. That fine line, I want you always, always to remember these three things. You are named, you are claimed, and you are blessed. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for that promise spoken to us. May we believe it, live it, and trust it, even when it's hard, that you are with us. And that's your promise. I will be with you. May that give us courage and strength this day and always. In the name of Christ, our Lord.